Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! And we're back. Another week, another edition of Fizz 5. Hello, everyone. I'm Adam Gatkin, joined today by the newest member of our Fizz family, Nico Horning. And Nico, first off, welcome to the crew. What are you most excited for in your Orange Fizz journey? Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here and uh, excited to cover Syracuse football, basketball, and uh, whatever else we uh, go off of here. And I'm really excited because I I get to work with you guys, and that's what makes Orange Fizz really uh, awesome is working, you know, with with other people that care about Syracuse athletics, and I'm looking forward to covering the uh, sports as best I can, and uh, we we have some fun programs coming up here. All right, well, we had a big game here in the 3-1-5 last night, Syracuse against Florida State basketball, and that is topic number one. Number one. Well, I don't know about you, Nico, but it felt like that Syracuse, for the first time this season, really had true momentum in terms of being nationally relevant. I mean, Andy Katz put them in his top 36. It felt like the Orange were getting put in more and more and more bracketology brackets. And then, boom, 85-69, to the loss to Florida State last night, the first non-quad one loss of the season for Syracuse, a quad three loss, and one that really just was a frustrating one to watch. It really was, and it's one of those games where I was actually talking to Ethan last night on the uh, Twitter spaces uh, after the game, but it's one of those games where you have to just move on. I mean, you can't overthink this loss, right? You can you can look at a variety of things, but the one department that does stick out to me is the three-point shooting, and when you shoot 7% from beyond the arc, you're not going to win a game, and that can even be said about 20, 25% three-point shooting. I mean... You, when you shoot the ball that bad from downtown, you're not going to win. So I think it came down to that poor shooting for Syracuse versus any other thing that I'm really going to dive into. You know, the funniest thing with the poor shooting, just one three-pointer made for Syracuse. The last time that Syracuse made just one three-pointer in a game, they won. Beat Michigan State in the round of 32 back in 2018. But, you know, this is a different team. The defense struggled a lot today. But, you know, the offense is really the focus. And I, I want to stick with three-point shooting here for a minute because, you know, last time out against Miami, Syracuse made 12 three-pointers. Judah, Judah Mintz was making his shots, but what really stuck out that game and against Pittsburgh as well was J.J. Starling. He finally found his way, it seemed like, shooting the ball from deep. He had that confidence. His shot was looking better, and then last night it just all falls apart. Well, you look at Saturday's game and you look at last night's game, two very separate games. You mentioned J.J. Starling, and he was the reason why Syracuse won that game on Saturday against Miami, right? I mean, if, if he doesn't score those 20-plus points and six three-pointers, Syracuse is not in a chance to win uh, against Miami. And and credit to Quadir Copeland for knocking down that shot at the end. That was awesome. But it doesn't uh, happen without J.J. Starling. You look at Tuesday, and I thought the first half was fine for Syracuse. They hung in there. It was a very close game through the first half. Sterling had eight of his ten points uh, in the first 20 minutes. But then you look at the second half, he had two points. And it, it just seemed like Florida State, you know, you, you look you, you look away for a second and then you look back at the score and they just were up by eight or ten points. It was kind of one of those games. It, especially against a team like Florida State that's going to play the way that it does. When you don't knock down your open shots, you're, you're not going to be successful. And, you know, we said J.J. 0 for 5 from 3. Chris Bell just 1 for 6. Yep. 
if Syracuse is only making one three-pointer a game, there's no chance that they're going to be successful there's, offensively no. because you know, Malik Brown is great down low, but he's undersized, and you need that threat of perimeter shooting for this team to have any success at all. And when it's not existent, you know, this is what we're just going to see. This is what we saw early in the season. This were some of the issues, some of the worries that I had after Maui was that, you know, if this team isn't able to shoot the three, everything can go wrong. And that's exactly what we saw. I think this Florida State game really brought me back to what I was thinking about this team in November, what I was thinking about this team in December, in that if Chris Bell isn't making his shots, if J.J. Starling isn't making his shots— at that time, I was still talking about Justin Taylor. I mean, he's out of the picture at this point. <laughs> Just took one shot. If those guys can't make threes, this team cannot be successful. It's a make-or-miss team, especially from the three-point line, right? I think that's what their identities turned into. You just mentioned it uh, when you looked at this team at the beginning of the season, and I think it really has come to fruition. If this team doesn't shoot the three-ball well, they're probably going to lose unless their defense plays really well, which they have been playing really well, not not really well, but pretty well uh, most of the season, and I think that has kept them in a lot of games and give the offense some, some chances, which they've taken advantage of, but there's been also been games where they haven't taken advantage of that, including last night. So it really is a three-point shooting game, not even just Syracuse, but every team in general. If you don't, if you don't make your threes, you're not going to win, but especially for Syracuse, they don't have that bigger presence inside like you just talked about uh, with Malik Brown to rely down in the paint. So it does come out to the three-point shot a lot more. And it wasn't just three-point shooting where Syracuse struggled. They couldn't shoot the ball anywhere on the floor. At the free-throw line, just 66%. That's not going to win you games, especially in the first half. The Qs really struggled from the charity stripe. I mean, it felt like Judah Mintz just couldn't figure it out on that end. Up by one at the break, but they missed eight free throws in the first half. You can't beat yourself up in games like this. And it felt like that's kind of what Syracuse did, missing those free throws, getting into foul trouble early. Quadir Copeland only playing 80 seconds in the first half. When you're in games like this in close ACC contests, you can't beat yourself up, and that's what Syracuse did. Definitely. And you look at the shooting across the board, even 44% from the floor. That's not going to cut it either. It was just an off-shooting night from, from everyone, and I think everyone realizes that. The question is, how do these players respond, regroup, and face NC State on Saturday, which we'll talk about later. Um, but the shooting was was not good, and I think that's kind of the uh, the point of the game. Your free throws, you weren't knocking down. Um, obviously, that didn't really affect the, the entirety of the game because they couldn't make a shot from anywhere else on the floor. But this is something to, to keep an eye on, right? You're going to have cold stretches throughout the season. Hopefully, this doesn't last too long if you're Coach Autry, uh, but just a poor, poor shooting night all around. A poor shooting night all around, to say the least. The one guy who shined on offense, and I say kind of shined on offense because the box score looks good, but outside of that, not that great. Mm -hmm. Judah Mintz, he is topic number two. Number two. It's been almost two opposite games for Judah Mintz. Against Miami, 13 assists. He was the facilitator. And then against Florida State, 28 points. But just three assists, 10 less than the game prior. And, you know, it, it was a weird one last night for Judah. And I didn't really know how to think about how Judah Mintz played in the game because, you know, he, he scored and he took over. But it just felt at times, and, and Adrian Autry said this after the game, that Syracuse just relied on him to take over too much. And you can't be successful offensively doing that. Well, if you just look at the box score, it's like, yeah, you relied on him. He had 28 points. Everyone else, you know, Starling had 10. But that was pretty much it. That was your production uh, from the night. That is something that we haven't exactly seen in the last couple games. And I want to go back to Quadir Copeland because he is that guy that 
I think a lot of us have, have wrote about him uh, recently. He has been stepping up for Syracuse off the bench, and he brings that, that bench spark that you want on your team. Um, he's been very productive so far this season, but you, you mentioned he just played you know, less than a, co- or a couple of minutes uh, in the, the loss against Florida State last night, and he only had five points, right? He, he's one of those guys where you expect him now to, to produce off the bench a little bit, and he hasn't really done so recently. Um, but that does lead into, into Judah Mintz because we saw him sharing the ball on Saturday, and I think that was a huge step up for this team because if you have 13 assists, you're dishing the ball out to J.J. Sterling. He's knocking down threes. That was a big step that Judah didn't exactly uh, work on last year, right? You don't do that as a freshman. You don't, if your shot's not going, you're not exactly looking to facilitate and help other guys out. That's an experienced move right there, so I think Judah has stepped his game up uh, in that department because his shot wasn't working. He passed it out to J.J. He did the rest. Going to the game last night, well, Mintz went 9 for 14 from the floor. You're not going to complain about that. He knocked down his points. The other te- the other guys on the team just couldn't exactly support him, and that was the problem last night. Yeah, it, it was weird because after the Miami game, I was saying almost that this isn't the Judah Mintz that Syracuse fans need to see for him to be his best. You sure. you want to see him, you know, pass the ball 13 times, but at the end of the day, Judah Mintz is best when he goes to the hoop and takes over a game, and he didn't do that against Miami. Now, he did that a little bit too much against NC State. Well, I, I think it was a, a fact that Syracuse, was, he, he kind of had to. He was yeah, the only guy that, rolling, and he had to, you know, there, there's point guards even in whatever team, even in the NBA. I mean, you, you see them late in the games. De'Aaron Fox, clutch player of the year last year. He just turns it on in the fourth quarter, gets the team back, and I think Judah Mintz was kind of in that situation last night where he's like, hey, I got to I gotta take over this, this game for my team and try and get us back in it. Obviously, they couldn't do so. So I think that was a, a fine example from him last night. I'm okay with that. But Coach Autry said the last couple of games he's been very not, – not including last night. This was after Saturday's win over Miami. He was impressed by uh, Judah Mintz's performances the last couple of games. Um, and that was because he was sharing the ball. He wasn't exactly doing everything himself offensively. He was helping his teammates, and that is what Coach Autry wants Judah Mintz to do. Obviously, last night was a different case because of the poor shooting. Yeah, it was, it's was. it been really unselfish play just overall for Judah Mintz recently. I'm not saying he, he was selfish last night, but the big thing that stood out to me for him against Miami and Pittsburgh was nine rebounds and eight rebounds, both right up there with his career highs, and, and he had just two last night. It's... It's just weird with Judah because you know, like I said, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a consistent play style. No, he right. he doesn't, and I think that that's what as as Syracuse fans you want to see right now is, I think you want to see Judah be more consistent in how he plays the game, whether it's going to be as the facilitator or as that you know takeover guy. But again, he also needs help. I, I'm with you. There's a fine line, right? There's two sides to the spectrum here. You want him to be more consistent with what he does, what he brings to the table, what you know you're going to get out of him night in and night out. Night out. But the the problem is, if you're look, if, if, Adam, if you're the point guard, right, on on a team, and no one else can make a shot, you know, that you're playing with, you're going to be the guy that's going to be like, hey, I got to drive to the hoop, I got to go score. So I think again, we go back to that scenario last night where yes, he had to go, you know, do everything kind of by himself because no one else could. Uh, support him and I, I think that was just kind of a a one or, or two game scenario where it happens here and there but we have been seeing Judah you know be more of a team player with facilitating the ball with crashing in on the boards and I think Syracuse does play better when that happens but you know you don't shoot one for 14 or whatever it is from three-point line 
uh, on a on a night to night basis. Yeah, I, I think what that game at the end of the day reminded us all is that there is a difference between I think Judah Mintz and the rest of this team. Judah is the guy who, no matter what, is going to be able to contribute. Sometimes it's not scoring the ball, like like at his will. Sometimes that's not Judah's game. But even if he can't score, he's going to get involved in other ways. That's just not the case for this for the rest of this team. The consistency just is not there for the rest of this team. And that's where I give Judah props because, you know, he is able to contribute in many different ways. You just wish that he could put it all together, put together that 28-point performance, and then also kick it out and have his teammates hit shots because I think that's where this team could really get to the next level. Sure, and Syracuse wouldn't be where they are right now without Judah Mintz. I mean, it's that simple. We said at the beginning of the year that this was just so important He's coming back to this team because you just mentioned it. It's like, all right, we saw last night why Judah Mintz is is the guy for Syracuse. And it may not look like that every game of the season, but when you have just kind of those dud games like last night was, Mintz reminds you why he can be so relevant and so good on this team when other guys aren't stepping up. So, again, like you said, props to Judah Mintz. I totally agree with you, Adam. Um, and, and he is your, your guy that you have to rely on. He's, he's also been doing fine defensively, too, uh, this season. Over on the women's side, also a big star for that team in De'Asia Fair, and just what a team that the Syracuse women's basketball squad has been this season. They are topic number three. Number three. Well, Nico, we have got a ranked basketball team on campus right now in the most recent AP poll, the Syracuse women at number 22 in the country. But up ahead, a really difficult road, three games in a row against three ranked opponents. It all starts against Notre Dame and Hannah Hidalgo, a team that Syracuse beat earlier in this season. And Nico, I think that this next stretch, these next three games, again, starting off with Notre Dame and then against Virginia Tech and Louisville, are going to be season-defining games for this squad because, you know, we've seen two ranked wins already. We've also seen, you know, a really bad loss to a ranked, to an unranked North Carolina team. So I think, you know, these next games, you know, ranked games on the road are really going to be the differentiating between is this a good team versus a great team. This is when you find out what your team is made of, right? When you head on these road stretches uh, midway to late in the season, that's when you realize how you're what, that, that's when you realize your real team identity, right? And I think obviously Deja Fair is the identity of Syracuse. The, 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 the matter is, you know, who is again helping her out, right? We saw in the win against Notre Dame, 86-81 win, uh, the last time Syracuse faced them, that was also the last time they were ranked, by the way. Um, she had 27 points. Alyssa Latham, 21 points, 12 rebounds. Georgia Woolley, 10 points. So Syracuse is going to need that supporting cast uh, when they go up against Notre Dame on Thursday like they had last time because this is a Notre Dame team that since that that loss against Syracuse, they have won five straight with the exception of a loss to North Carolina. Uh, or I beg your pardon, they're 5-1 and one in the last six games. But North Carolina was their only loss since, and they've been playing some good basketball lately. Wins over Miami, Virginia, Wake Forest. So this is a hungry Notre Dame game. They want revenge over a Notre Dame Notre Dame team. They want revenge over Syracuse, and they have a uh, home game to prove that. So it's going to be tough for Syracuse to go on the road, so they're going to have to be ready to play, and uh, obviously it all relies on uh, De'Asia Fair. Yeah, it does, and you know I, I think that this game being – to start off this trip at Notre Dame is really a big thing. Syracuse has never won in South Bend, and this is an Orange squad that is just 3-2 and two on the road, losses to Maryland, that blowout loss against North Carolina. 
and then you know you know last time out on the road against a pit team is one of the worst teams in the ACC losing at the end of the first quarter. So so I think that this is really where where we start to see the maturity of this team. And it's going to be difficult. This is a different Notre Dame team than what Syracuse faced earlier in the season when they played in the Dome because this is a Notre Dame team that is now healthier. Sonia Citron is back and healthy. She missed the first game. She's one of the best players in the country. And for her to miss that game was huge. You know, there, there was a lot of conversation. She was first team all ACC last year was, you know, is this kind of a fraudulent win for the Orange? Because, you know, yes, they beat Notre Dame, but not a full strength Notre Dame team. And now the Fighting Irish are back to being pretty much fully healthy. It's going to be a lot of a tougher test for Syracuse and to go on the road as well. And you know what's funny about that? I kind of... Um... I want to go to the bigger picture here because I find it funny when teams try to degrade themselves when an opponent player is out for the game or inactive. And I think we see this in the professional level too. Of course, you have your star guys that um, really dismantle a team when they're not playing. But you also have teams where if someone really good on your team is not playing, they may actually play better because other guys who don't get a or, or girls that don't get a chance can elevate themselves. And so I think. That could be the case against Notre Dame uh, a few weeks back against Syracuse. But you mentioned that Citron is back, um, and I want to point out this stat. The Orange have 11 regular season games left, right? Syracuse women's basketball. Five of them will be against ranked opponents that are currently ranked. So if that doesn't tell you anything, plus heading out on the road for for three days, it's all going to start with a Syracuse-Notre Dame game. And I'm not going to call it a must-win because Notre Dame's a very good basketball team, also ranked. But it's one of those games where if you can have and get a, a find a way to win at this point in the season, find out what you're made of. I think that is the most important thing for Syracuse, and hopefully they can walk out of South Bend with an identity on their team after that game because this is a huge, huge matchup uh, against the Fighting Irish. And Nico, I think it really all starts and ends with Deasia Fair and what she can do because you know she's the three thousand point scorer. Mm-hmm. Syracuse is going to need her to take over this game. In the two ranked ACC wins against Notre Dame, first time out, Ferris scored 27 against Florida State in that ranked win. Ferris scored 31. And while, you know, the other players are important to this team, you're going to need Georgia Woolley to step up, Alyssa Latham. I think that this is where Deja Fair in this next stretch has to prove, hey, I should be the ACC player of the year. I am that good. I, I think that's what Deasia Fair has to do here. She has to prove that, hey, I can do this on the road. It's not just in the Dome where I can be so successful. Because, you know, you know we've seen some consistency issues with everyone else, but Fair has been good. Yeah. She can't now struggle on the road against these teams. She has to continue to play to the best of her abilities to give her squad a chance. This is where good players find out if they're if they're great. If you went on the road, I think it comes down to that. Fair was just the ACC Player of the Week uh, for the first time this season, and she's averaging 26.5 points a game over uh, the last couple of games for the Orange. So this is a this is Deasia Fair that – let me rephrase this. This is going to be the real test for Deasia Fair coming up against Notre Dame, and I, I don't think there's any way around it, right? You're, you're going to find out what your team's made of against Notre Dame – I can't really like nitpick this this game too much because we've seen how this team has played so far this year. It's been Deasia Fair and then whoever else decides to step up like Latham. So it's going to be important for those other uh, girls to step up against Notre Dame on Thursday. 
but DeAsia Fair has to keep up that consistency to have a shot at ACC Player of the Year, like you just mentioned, and I think she has a very good chance in doing so. But this is definitely the biggest road test of the year, no doubt about it, for Syracuse women's basketball. And you said it. I don't. I agree with that. I don't think this is a must-win game, mm-hmm. but but it'd be, out it of the, be nice to have. <laughs> it would be nice to have out of the next three: Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Louisville, all three ranked teams. What do you think? You know, Syracuse goes in this next stretch. What What does this record look like in the next three games? What are you happy with? If you're are you happy with just one win because you're on the road twice in this stretch? I wouldn't be shocked if they lose all three. I also wouldn't be shocked if they win two out of three. I don't see a world where they where they sweep this next stretch. But you know, it is interesting because I don't think it's the end of the world if they lose. But I do think it could mean a lot if they win. This is just so tough to break down. I mean, there's. You just mentioned three opponents, four if you include Syracuse, all in the top five uh, in the in the ACC standing so far this season. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to break this down into two different categories. You have what I'm going to think they're going to go and what they should go. Um, I'm going to start with what they should go, and that is two and one. If they can get two wins on the road against either Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, or Louisville over the next three games, that would be super important, and I think they can really be considered a real great team uh, at that point. Now, I think I, I want to say two wins. I wouldn't be surprised if they just come out of the road trip with one win. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be that real test. If Syracuse steps up like they have been at home and plays the same way with DeAsia Fair doing her thing and Latham or Woolley stepping up alongside her, I think this team can get two wins. But if that if one of those players don't step up, I think it does come down to a uh, one-win scenario. So, that's that's kind of my predictions uh, there. And, and before we move on to our next topic, do you think it's at all a panic button situation if they lose all three? I, I don't. That's, because that's, that's tough. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I'm really? gonna say yes, yes, because you just mentioned it. Uh, you know, a few minutes ago, with this team finds out who they are on the road. This is stretches in late in the season where you have to find ways to win on the road. You're not gonna be playing in the dome you know, once later in the season, right? So I, I I do think it's a fail if they lose the next three games. You have to find a way to win at least one, and hopefully, I mean, you're, you're the best ACC team right now. you got to win two games uh, if you want to be really great. But one at the minimum is, is my, my go-to right now for Syracuse. I, if they get swept, I, I don't. I don't think that cuts it. Even though they're playing three top opponents, they have to find a way to win on the road. What do you What do you think? I I think personally they win one out of three. Okay. I don't think it's the end of the world if they lose all three. Uh, but it, I think if you win two, you prove not just to the ACC, yes. but I, I think you prove to the nation that that you are a top twenty team in the country. Not not just you know twenty five to twenty, but that you are a top twenty team. You are even almost a top fifteen team in the country if, if you win two out of the next that's, three. That's that's another thing, Adam. Real quick is is this is a team that's been kind of flirting the, the 20, 25 rankings, right, or unranked here in the last couple of weeks. If they get two wins on this road trip, they have to be a top 20 team. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's no debate, right? No question. No question. So this, is a, this, will be, is a, this could be a statement road trip for Syracuse or it could be a break of a road trip for Syracuse. So I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, how we're talking about this team in a week or so. All right, well, Syracuse women's basketball right now in the heart of its season. Another team on campus that is getting ready to start the season, Syracuse men's lacrosse. The inside lacrosse preseason media poll has been released. That is topic number four. Number four. 
Well, back on Monday, Inside Lacrosse released its preseason media poll, and Syracuse ranked ninth in the country. What a impossible schedule almost it looks like for the Syracuse team because out of the eight teams ranked above them, Syracuse plays seven. <laughs> this is not oh, going to be wow. an easy year for, for Gary Gates' squad. They also play ranked 16 and 17. They take on a couple other teams receiving votes. But, uh, I mean, this schedule is just insane for the Orange. You're, you're going to have a tough time, uh, you know, this this season. I mean, that's that's this is real competition. This is a real challenge for the Syracuse men's lacrosse team. And I guess to start off with the identity of this team, right, last year, very young squad. Kind of getting getting their roots down. They had some good wins. They had some some bad losses. It was an up and down year for uh, Gary Gates' squad. But with this schedule coming out and all these players having yet another year of experience, another off season of training, getting stronger, I am really intrigued to see how this team performs and faces the challenge uh, because it'll tell a lot and will and will know a lot early in the season as well. Yeah, I am so excited to watch this team this year. I, I'm happy that Gary Gate is battle testing his squad. And to be honest, I think this is a team that really has a good chance of making it to Memorial Day weekend, of playing in the Final Four, because, you know, this core now has that year under its belt. You got Joey Spelina, one of the best players in the country. I think he takes a massive step up this year. I mean, we, we saw glimpses of it, not just glimpses. We saw how special he was last year. But I think he just takes the next step this year. And then add on to that, the number one transfer class in the country and I don't know if enough people are talking about the amount of just talent that this team has brought in it all starts with the offensive midfielders from Princeton Jake Stevens and Sam English you could argue those are the top two players in the portal I I mean Jake Stevens I think is the best offensive midi in the country you can make a strong strong argument about it you know he replaces Cole Kirst I I think and then some and then on top of that the biggest transfer in my opinion is Mason Cohn at the face-off spot. That is where Syracuse really struggled that last year. There, there was no consistent face-off man. The Orange lost almost every single game at the X. Now to bring in the D3 face-off guy of the year from Tufts. Mason Cohn, who won 66.5% of face-off with Tufts, I think can take this team to the next level because we've seen what they can do on offense. We know that you have Will Mark and Cage, one of the best goalies in the country, and now add on to that, potentially one of the best face-off guys. This team can really take that next step. The problem last year was we kind of knew the, the problems early on, if that makes sense, right? We, we knew that they weren't good at the face-off X. They, they, could not, they couldn't win a face-off. You just said it. And I think that was a huge. That's going to be a huge addition for for Syracuse, bringing in Mason Cohn to uh, to to fill that department. But you mentioned Joey Spillane at the top. This is a guy where, of course, we saw glimpses of glimpses of really good lacrosse last year. But now it's going to be about consistency. Can he keep it up? Can he really face the challenges of these top and premier lacrosse programs? Because that's another thing that kind of faulted him last year was, yeah, he'd he'd have a good game here and there or a great game but he couldn't keep it up against those top teams, right? And, and I think that's going to be important for Spelina to take that next step this year is he's going to have to really compete against those top programs in the nation. And I, I'm really curious to see how he does it with these new transfers because that's going to be another thing for these, these first few games is kind of getting used to everyone, uh, you know, playing well with each other. And I think just in general in college sports, that's kind of the whole name of the game now is how quickly can you – play with another talented uh, lacrosse player, football player, basketball player because of the 
the transfer portal being so huge nowadays in college athletics. So I think that definitely emulates down to the Syracuse lacrosse team. How quickly can everyone uh, groove together, mesh together? And then how does Joey Spelina up his consistency? I think those are kind of the two questions I'm looking at here in the in the first few games. You know, can can, can those other attackmen step up who are coming back? Can, can the other returning players step up as well? Because I don't think there's any doubt that these Princeton guys are going to come in and be stars. But how much better does does Luke Rowe get? How much better does Owen Hiltz get? How much better does Finn Thompson get? You know, these other guys who played really well last year and now have another year under their belt. You also bring in Trey Deere, who I love, the Canadian, one of the best box lacrosse players in the country coming in as a freshman. I, I think that he has the potential to be a star, played summer ball with, with Joey Spelina uh, over in Ontario this past summer. Uh, the amount of of firepower on this team really just never ends, and I think that if if Joey gets that help, he's not going to have an issue with trying to do too much. You know, we almost saw some of that Judaman's takeover from him <laughs> last year. I don't think he's going to have to do that because of the amount of talent beside him. But at the end of the day, Joey Spelina is still Joey Spelina, and if he needs to, he still will be able to take over. And I think that's what can make this offense so special. The defense, still a little bit of a question mark. We'll see how how everything meshes together. Of course, you bring back Will Mark and Cage. Yep. For me, before we move on from this lacrosse team, the big, big storyline on the defensive end is that Riley Figueres is healthy. He, he was the number six player in the country uh, in the freshman class last year, tore his ACL. I mean, he, he was supposed to start as a true freshman last year, and they lost him in fall ball. You know, now he has a full fall under his belt coming back from that ACL injury. And I think that if Will Mark has a good defense in front of him, he is going to be the best goalie in the country. I, I think he can be better than Liam Edzeman because we saw what Mark did last year with a really shaky defense that had a lot of holes in it. Sure. Now imagine it, him with you know a, a defense that is consistently that good. And I think that that can play a part to the the offense, the midfield, the, the faceoff X, everything. I think everyone has another year under their belt. You're bringing in these guys that can really step up, and I think a, another year of meshing together is going to be so important for Syracuse. You mentioned Judah Mintz a couple of minutes ago. That's that's funny because I was going to relate this to the current basketball team with, with the backcourt. We look at Judah Mintz, we look at J.J. Starling. Well, you know, you bring in these Princeton transfers, Jake Stevens, Sam English. Who in the world is going to be Spelina's guy? How, is it going to be multiple players? Is it going to be one guy? You know, who who kind of um, fills in that, that two duo there uh, with Joey Spelina? So, again, it's going to take a few games. We look at the basketball comparison. J.J. Starling is still figuring out how to play with Judah Mintz. We saw a very good glimpse of that on Saturday when Mintz had 13 assists to Starling. So I think the same thing can be said about lacrosse. You have the guys now. You know what you're trying to do. The question is how long does it take for you to get to that level while you're racing against these other Syracuse or these other men's lacrosse programs. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think this is going to be a really fun Syracuse men's lacrosse team. The season just 10 days away. The Qs start things off with a matchup against Vermont, the team that they started the season against last year and won just 7-5. to That game on February 3rd at 4 p.m. Well, that's all the lacrosse talk that we've had. Let's end things off by going back to the Syracuse men's basketball team and previewing the next game against NC State. That is topic number five. Number five. Well, Nico, after the Florida State loss, to me, this NC State game is now a must-win 
for the Orange. You, you know, you go into Saturday, you don't want to lose two in a row. And this is a good NC State team. This is an NC State team that's been near the top of the ACC. Uh, to be honest, I, I kind of worry how the Orange match up because, you know, what, what were the big issues against Florida State? Turnovers. I mean, we barely even got to that, but turn the ball over a ton. And who's the second best team in the conference at, at forcing turnovers? That's NC State. Yeah, I, I think must win is a little bit too far. Um, but it's just so tough because at this point in the season, it's almost like every game is a must win, especially uh, in the ACC, especially in any of these other, you know, Power Five conferences for college hoops. Because NC State, you know, going off the record, they are better than Syracuse. I mean, only by one game, but they're still better than, than Syracuse statistically. The question is for the Orange players is how quickly do you let Florida State go from Tuesday and respond on Saturday? Because you have your dome crowd behind you again. It's a Saturday night. Hopefully some more people in there than the uh, Florida State attendance. So I think that's going to be important for the, for you guys, to, for them to be able to be helped out. Um, but then it comes down to, you know, looking at the three-point shooting. Syracuse has to shoot the ball better. I think that's the main thing going in to the game. So for me, it's the players, you know, getting off the uh, the Florida State train, let that game go, and then it's also just shoot the ball better, play true to yourself, everyone chip in and, and help each other out. That's kind of the main uh, theme for me going into NC State. Just just play simple basketball. You, you see, I, I, I see this as a must-win game. But I, Okay. Be, but can I, I explain why? Because, sure, sure. because the loss to Florida State was the first non-quad one loss of the season. For, for, so for are you looking at this so as, I'm looking as more at this, of a, a rebound game from Florida State in, in that sense as a must-win? No, no not, not even in a rebound sense. I'm looking okay. at this at the fact that that loss to Florida State dropped Syracuse 15 spots in the net rankings. NC State right now would be a quad three loss. So, so you would go from not losing a single non-quad one game to then back-to-back quad three losses, and then Syracuse would have a chance of dropping out of the top 90 close to out of the top 100 in the net rankings and with the lack of opportunities for big wins the oranges cannot afford that you you cannot afford to lose home games you cannot afford to lose non you know you, you cannot afford to lose quad three and quad four wins because you know as much as i think we want to say you know let's not worry about the tournament right now you have to yeah that's, that's it, it is it, it is a month and a half away away right about and you have to look at this in a tournament sense and look at it about the fact that Syracuse right now is at risk of dropping even further down. And this is right after they had momentum. So you can't, you know, be that team that that is, oh, we're moving up, we're moving up, and then boom, all the way straight down and then you and you plateau because, you know, then things start to get dangerous, especially with this young team, especially with, with some of the kind of maturity issues that we've seen, some of the body language that we've seen when things go bad. If they start to go bad, I worry that it can just get worse and worse and yeah. worse, you know, because you can bounce back from losses against Purdue, against Gonzaga, against Virginia, against Duke and North Carolina, and say, look, these are top teams in the country. These are quad one games we weren't expected to win. How do you bounce back from a quad three loss against Florida State? If they win, okay, we're good. If you lose both, how do you bounce back from that? Great point. Great point. I'm totally with you. There's two ways to this must-win thing, right? In theory, it's a must-win because you just mentioned that you did the quad three breakdown um, and all of that. But 
it's not actually a must-win game because you know NC State's another good team. But you, you got to have it, right? You got to. I think we got to get out of this notion uh, with Syracuse trying to you know stay in the middle of the road. We when it's it's a matter of time before Syracuse takes that next level. And Saturday is a good opportunity to show that this team can forget about the last loss and advance on. And bringing up those other teams that Syracuse played earlier in the season, I think, is a uh, a great point because they learned a lot from those those losses. Again, Virginia, they shot the the lights out from the three point arc. North Carolina, they beat you, and I mean like capital B E A T beat Syracuse by you know 36 points or whatever it was. So I think. We're getting to that stretch in the season where Syracuse, it's, everyone's, every game is a must-win game. The, uh, the fact of the matter is, can you find some consistency and not get into that hole or that rut like we saw last season when guys were just kind of, I don't want to say giving up, but you saw a sense of a loss of energy from some of the guys when those, those losses started to accumulate. And I think we can't have that, Syracuse can't have that problem this season. And I think Coach Autry is going to keep everyone accountable here as uh, the last month and a half at least, you know, hopefully if you're a Syracuse fan, uh, it goes on. This might be a little bit stupid to say, but but I, I kind of love the, this notion, this take. So in, instead of calling this a must-win game, is it a can't-lose game? <laughs> well, because you know, I, I think that if, if you lose, the season's not over, but you really cannot afford to lose it momentum-wise. And I think that's the big thing. If you lose this game, I think – in the last couple minutes, you know, it's close all throughout. You lose by three points. I, I think you're fine. I think you can't get blown out. You you cannot no, no, no. lose by 10, 15 points like what happened against Florida State because then, you know, you really have some issues. And you can't afford that to happen, you know, especially then you look up next. You go into Boston College and, you know, yes, you beat Boston College earlier in the season, but, you know, you, you, you go down the path of a downward trajectory and how do you get out of it? I don't think that Syracuse can afford to lose this game at all. I I I like the way you phrased that better. Um, can't lose game because you're right. I mean, this team can can dwindle down in a hurry, and I don't think there's any way around it. And the competition doesn't get easier. I mean, all these you got you got to look at the big picture too. I mean, the ACC conference is just so good. Um, but but, but college not, basketball, but not really this year. Well, there there are three. There are legitimately okay, okay. right now. I, yes, there's a lot of middle are, of the road. Are three yes. ACC teams that that make the NCAA tournament? I yes. think there the ACC is not good right now. You you have you have you know of course you're Duke, you're North Carolina, and then after that it's a massive drop off. Yes, Clemson yes. is struggling recently, mm-hmm. so, so it's these games. It's these middle of the pack games. Can you, you gotta, make you yourself win. that fourth best team? Problem is the other teams are saying the, saying the yeah. exact same thing. I mean, if you look at NC State's perspective, they're like, all right, Syracuse is a must win. We got to have that game. So I, I I agree with you. The like the ACC as a whole is a good conference. Obviously, none the, of these teams are horrible. That's they're what, all that's, like that's what I'm saying. Everyone's okay. Everyone's there. Everyone's relevant, right? Yeah. Everyone's, for the most part, middle of the road, has a chance to do something. The question is who elevates their game, you know, at this point in the season. So that's kind of where I'm coming from right now. And if you're a Syracuse fan, you hope that this team finds some consistency here in the next few games, and they got a great opportunity to do it against NC State. You mentioned the uh, the blowout factor. If this team gets blown out by NC State at home uh, on Saturday, I don't think they're going anywhere Uh anytime soon because you, you this is one of those games you got to forget about Florida State I keep saying it but it's so true because these losses can linger to you into the next contest and that cannot happen from NC State they have to come out hot 
and they have to come out, you know, shooting the ball decently well uh, from anywhere on the floor. And I think that's the biggest thing for Syracuse on Saturday. All right, well, Nico, uh, let's end it with this. Can you give me a prediction? Ooh. Put you on, put you you on the score spot. You want score, too? Let's do it. Why not? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Syracuse 78, NC State 73. I, th- I think it's going to be a very close contest. I think the Orange shoot the ball better. Um, you're going to have to make your make your free throws down the stretch. I mean, that's going to be it's going to be one of those games. I think it comes down to the free throw shooting uh, against NC State, and hopefully the dome shows up and uh, brings some good energy. What do you think? I I, I think that I'm going to go with Syracuse win because I want to be optimistic about this team. I, I don't want to be a negative Nancy. Let's go 83-71, 12 point win for Syracuse. Okay. I think that we see a big J.J. Starling bounce-back game. We see what, how he played against Miami. We see how he played against Pitt, and you, we flow, we put that Florida State game behind him. Uh, I think that J.J. Starling plays great. I think that Quidder Copeland's going to have a lot of energy because of how much he struggled against Florida State. And I believe in Adrian Autry. I believe in this team to come back and win a really important game. And that's funny you brought up. Copeland because I was I was just going to allude to that. He is kind of that underrated X factor on this team. If he doesn't play well, well, Syracuse most likely isn't pulling out a win. So he's going to be huge off the bench on, on Saturday, and uh, this team's got to shoot the ball better. You know, it's as simple as that. So we'll see what happens, and uh, I like your prediction too. Well, they got to play better. Yeah, <laughs> especially, especially yeah. Move the, on and play better. Especially those role players, of, as we've been saying. Quadir Copeland, Malik Brown, Chris Bell combined for just 18 points against Florida State. That was the worst since Gonzaga. Got to be better than that. Well, we'll have all the coverage for that game on Saturday. I'll be there in the Dome live tweeting. Dave Bing getting uh, inducted into the Ring of Honor. That'll be an an awesome, awesome ceremony. So if you can't make it to the game, make sure to follow us on X at Orange Fizz. We'll have a post-game space on X afterwards. And it's going to be a really, really fun one. Nico and I both have Syracuse wins. Well, we thank you all so, so much for tuning in to this edition of Fizz 5. And we'll end things as we always do by saying, go Orange. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.